Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Now, if you've been with us, you know that we've been doing a study on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount actually covers chapters 5, 6, and 7 here in the Gospel of Matthew. It is the greatest sermon ever preached. Why? Because it was preached by the greatest preacher, Jesus. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, it actually gives us, Christians, some important teachings On Christian living. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, Christian living. We'll find out how to live as Christians. We'll find out the right way to pray. We're going to talk about the right way to give, the right way to fast. We're going to talk about that verse that says, judge not and be ye not judged. You know, it amazes me how many non-Christians know that verse in the Bible. You ever notice that? They They don't know any other verse in the Bible, but they know that one. You're like, man, you need to repent of your sin, bro, and, you know, get saved, man, and turn away from your sin. Don't judge me. The Bible says, judge not and be ye not judged. It's like, no, I don't know any other scripture in the Bible. They know that one. You know, he said, well, well what about the, vi- the verse in the Bible that says if you don't repent, you're going to hell? Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Believe that, you know. Oh, but don't judge me. The Bible says it's amazing how they know that. Well, we're going to talk about that kind of stuff over the next several weeks. We're going to answer some of those questions. A Sermon on the Mount is Jesus instructing his people on how to live happy lives, which is what we all want. I've never met anyone who said, I don't want to be happy Everyone wants to be happy, and Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount what it means and how to really be happy people. Tells us about true biblical happiness here in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, you got to understand something here. The Sermon on the Mount begins with what is known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, the word Beatitude means the blessings, Now, when you study the Bible, it's always good. Listen, it is always good to find out what the Bible doesn't say or what is not being said or what hasn't been said. This section is known as the Beatitudes. It isn't known as the Beactions. And it isn't known as the Do-Attitudes. It's the Beatitudes. Why? Because what Jesus is talking about here cannot be accomplished by you trying to do it. You see, that verse in Zechariah chapter 4, 4, it is not by might, say it with me if you know it, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, this is kind of the anthem for the Christian life. We don't live our lives in the flesh. 
I can't be Pastor Rodney in the flesh. I can't do what it is that God has called me to do in my flesh. I've got to depend on the Holy Spirit to fill me, to give me power to walk in the Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples, you want to notice he's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the world. The Beatitudes are not written for the world to go and become better people. And some people say, well, you know what? I'll just do what the Beatitudes say do and I'll go to heaven and I'll be a better person. No, Jesus isn't talking to the world. He's not talking to the non-believer. He's talking to the Christian. And he's saying to the Christian, to his disciples, that they are to do these things in the power of the Spirit. They're not be actions and they're not do attitudes. They are things that can only be done in the power of the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. Not talking to non-believers, He's talking to believers and saying to believers, if you're going to be happy as a Christian, this is how you're to live. Now, last week we began a two-part teaching, and we dealt with part one last week on who is the happy person. We're going to conclude in our second part, the second part teaching on who is the happy person. If you're taking notes, I've got an outline for you we're going to look at this morning. Number one, who is the happy person? The happy person is a person who is merciful and forgiving. A happy person is a person who is a merciful and forgiving person. Number two, the happy person is a person who is pure in heart. We'll find that in verse 8. Merciful and forgiving in verse 7. Pure in heart in verse 8. Thirdly, the happy person is a peacemaker. We'll find that in verse 9. A peacemaker. Doesn't stir up things. He's a peacemaker. If you want to be happy, last but certainly not least, the happy person is a persecuted person. What you talking about, Rodney? Yeah, that's right. We'll talk about it in a minute. The happy person is a persecuted person. We'll find that in verses 10 through 12. There's the outline. That's what we're going to talk about in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. And seeing the multitude, in verse 1, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, He said to his disciples, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth in verse 2, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That was part one last week. Beginning in verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of bad things and evil things against you falsely. That's the operative word, falsely, for my name's sake. Rejoice in verse 12 and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus gets up on a mountain And he sat down and he began to teach. Now, we talked about this last week. A rabbi, a teacher, when he was going to teach, he would sit down and the people would stand up, which I really like this model. You guys stand for 45 minutes. I get to rest. And so Jesus, as he began to teach, he sat down, as was customary in Jewish culture, and he begins to teach by uttering some shocking words. The words that the disciples heard were shocking. Why? Because this word blessed actually was linked up with the gods, Whenever you, they would use the word blessed, it, it talked about, it was in, in, in a mythological gods. It spoke of this eternal state of joy and happiness. And it was only spoken of, actually, even in the afterlife. And so when Jesus said to the disciples, he said, you are blessed. These words were shocking to them. Now, we talked about it last week. I most certainly think it's worthy to point out again The word blessed is used in the scriptures 513 times in various forms. In the Hebrew, the word blessed is baruch, blessed. If you walk into a Jewish synagogue, you would hear them say baruch Hashem Adonai Elohim, which means blessed be the name of the Lord God. If you walk into a messianic fellowship, a messianic fellowship is a fellowship where Jewish believers who are Christians, they've accepted the Messiah as their savior. And now they're Christians, they're Jewish. It's called a messianic fellowship. If you walk into a messianic fellowship, you will hear them say, Baruch Hashem Adonai Elohim Yeshua HaMashiach, which means... Blessed be the name of the Lord God, Jesus, our Messiah. In the New Testament, the word blessed is makarios. It means happy. It speaks of a blissful state. It means you're fortunate. Now, last week we talked about the first part of our two-part teaching. Jesus said, first of all, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. And we talked about the word poor. It means that you're spiritually bankrupt. It means you have nothing to offer to God. You have nothing. You're spiritually bankrupt. You're no trophy on God's table. People think they're all that in a bag of chips. You're not. 
You're poor in spirit. Jesus said you are blessed when you are poor in spirit. Then he went on to say that you are blessed when you mourn over your sin. We talked about this last week. And then he said you are blessed if you are meek. And you are blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's interesting as you look at the Beatitudes that they are in a sequence or in an order. In other words, one leads to the other. For example, if I see myself as I am, I am poor in spirit. I will mourn over my condition, which leads me to be meek as a person. And I'm emptied of myself. And now I have a hunger for God that leads me to the next beatitude that I want to talk about. And that is, I will become a merciful person. Verse 7, blessed are you who are merciful And forgiving. Jesus said, you shall receive mercy. You see, once you've been filled with the spirit of God, you find that you are a merciful person. Now, over the last several months, we just completed a series on the Holy Spirit. You know that. And one of the gifts of the spirit that we talked about in detail was this gift of mercy. And we pointed out Mother Teresa. You remember we talked about her? How she has an incredible gift of mercy to the people in Calcutta. And she founded the Sisters of Mercy from the Catholic Church. And she has an incredible gift to get in there and work with people and have mercy on people. And that's a gift of mercy. But that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the fact that every single one of us as born-again believers ought to be merciful people. And we ought to be merciful people. Why? Because God has shown you mercy. That's why you're to be merciful. Not because the person deserves mercy. Some people don't deserve mercy. They deserve the firing squad. Some do. But we should show mercy because you know what? There was a time in your life, I'm sure, and there was a time in my life, I know, when I called out to God and I said, God, I'm a sinner. God, I need you to save me. God, I need you to come into my life. And Lord, have mercy on my soul. And God says, sure, that's what I do best. I show mercy to people. That's what God does. He loves to show mercy. And it's that same God who said in Micah, he said, 5, 8, he said, You have, he he said, he has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God says, I, thank you, Lord, I couldn't remember, I was like, (laughs) He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. We should love mercy because God has shown you mercy. And I am amazed at how merciless people are. I'm amazed at how people don't want to forgive each other. People are so unforgiving nowadays. You don't believe me? Look at the statistics. Look at the divorce rate. It's going up. Why? Because people don't want to show mercy to each other. They are not forgiving. And the Bible says, 
If you want mercy, then you must show mercy. How can we say, God, forgive us and expect God's forgiveness and we are not willing to forgive others? Isn't that amazing? You know, we want God's forgiveness. If we do something wrong, we get, oh, God, forgive me, Lord. I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. God, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Raise me up, Lord. And God does. But when somebody sins against you, I ain't forgiving you. I ain't like you no more. You know, forgive you. I'm not going to forget. And then, or, or this one. I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. Now, now, what does that mean? I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget it. In other words, you're not going to forgive me. And granted, I know you're not going to wipe it from your mind and you just can't ever remember it again. Of course you can. But forgiveness, biblical forgiveness means I don't hold it against you any longer. That's biblical forgiveness. And if we want forgiveness from the Lord, saints, we are going to have to get to the place where we are forgiving toward one another. That we're forgiving toward our spouse. We're forgiving toward our children. And if you want mercy, you're going to have to be willing to give mercy. I hope that's a word for someone here. If you want mercy, you've got to be willing To give mercy because God is merciful and God has shown you mercy. Now, it's easy to tell if a person is merciful or not. Very easy question. How do you respond when someone does something stupid? How do you respond when somebody does something stupid and sinful? How do you respond? Do you say, loser, you idiot. How could you, you big loser with a capital L? Is that how you respond? Or when somebody does something stupid and idiotic, do you say, Man, that's, that's awful, man. That's too bad. I'm sorry, man. How can I pray for you? What can I do to help you? How do you respond? You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You see, I found this to be true. The way to identify a righteous person, the way to identify a godly, spiritual person is not how much they speak in tongues, not how much they prophesy or how much they show their extensive knowledge of the word of God. You know the way to identify a spiritual person? Are they a merciful person? That's how you identify a spiritual person. You see, this is how it works. The more righteous a person is, the more merciful they will be. The more sinful a person is, the more harsh and critical they will be. We all know people like that. People that are harsh, people that are critical, critical of other Christians, Christians who look at other Christians and pick them apart and all you are Christians. I know people like that. And it's so sad because you cannot grow as a Christian. You can't become the man or woman that God has called you to be if you are critical of his body. 
Because Jesus loves his people. I know we're all messed up. All of you are messed up. I know we, we know that. He knows it better than we do. We're all messed up. People, I don't want to go to church because a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Yeah, come join us. <laughs> You're one of them. You're as messed up. Well, I don't want to be a Christian because all Christians are just, the, all they do is that Christianity is a crutch. You ever heard that? Christianity, you heard that? Christianity is a crutch. I'm like, and your point? Everybody has a crutch. The question is not whether you have a crutch. The question is, what is it? Because some people's crutch is drugs, sex, drugs, alcohol, rock and roll. Some people's crutch is Elvis. It's the truth. Some people love Elvis. They worship the man. Leave that man dead. He's dead. Leave me. He's dead. Oh, I just love Elvis. I got Elvis memorabilia. Oh, I just love me some Elvis. Everybody has a crutch. What is it? I choose my crutch to be Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he's a rock I can lean on that won't fall. Amen. He won't fall. We all have a crutch. Don't be critical of his body. Don't, don't be critical of God's people. Because you can't separate the head from the body. Because that's a monstrosity. The head is Christ. The body is the church. And, and, and John said, how can you say you love God and you don't love his people? Don't be critical of God's people. Don't be critical of the church. Look at God's people and understand they are God's people. And, and as you do that, then you are growing in this area of mercy and grace. And if you really get a problem with growing in this area of mercy and grace, all you need to do is get yourself a mirror and look in it. And you will see a display of grace. I'm just trying to build you guys' self-esteem here. I'm trying to help you out, all right? I'm just trying to help you. Mercy. The more spiritual you are, the more righteous a person is, the more merciful they will become. Now, let's understand something. This is important. Being merciful to men does not guarantee mercy from men. Being merciful to men does not guarantee being merciful, getting mercy from men. It's like, see, the way we live, the way we function is, I'll be nice to you if you are nice to me. You scratch my back, I will scratch your back. You show me mercy, I will show you mercy. Well, that's not the model that Jesus shows shows us in the scriptures. Jesus was the most merciful person who ever lived. He loved the poor. He loved the desperate. He loved the sick and the dying. He found tax collectors and prostitutes, the proud and the private, the sincere and the insecure. And it's interesting to see as you look through the Gospels, the more merciful Jesus was, the more he showed how merciless the religious system and the political system was. And the more Jesus showed mercy, the more they wanted to kill him. So Jesus is teaching his disciples mercy to men brings mercy from God, not mercy from men. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, dot, 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 from God. 
because you probably won't get mercy from men. Don't count on it. You might get a kick, but not mercy. Mercy from God. Uh, point number, n- number two, or actually point number six. That was number five. This is number six. The happy person is a person who is pure in heart. The word pure means without mixture. The word heart is the Greek word cardia. We have the word cardiac or cardiologist, which is a heart doctor. In our culture, the word for heart, the word heart is used in different ways. We use it to describe our emotions. We say, well, my mind tells me one thing, but my heart tells me something else. Or we say, you know, you need to follow your heart. Or you'll say, in my heart, I feel this. Or I've heard people say, in my heart of hearts. I'm like, what does that mean? Let somebody tell me. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.